The Fend, brought to you by George's Fine Meats. Welcome to the Fend. This is the place to come if you love your footy, if you love a few laughs, and you also like to get a bit fired. It's all here on the Fend. My name is Adam Hawes. I'm joined by the feisty one. It is Tigers legend Gary Jack. How was your weekend, Jimmy? Good, Adam. How are you, mate? Great to be here again. Mate, look, the highlight of the weekend was going to Bunnings on Sunday <laughs> Sunday afternoon. That's where I've got to. Going to Bunnings, looking for some stuff for my gutters out the front, so... Yeah, that was that was it. So it was pretty good. How about yourself? Oh, that can be exciting, though. Bunnings. Yeah, Bunnings can be good. Yeah, there's um. Yeah, you use a new sponsor too. Couldn't <laughs> Not that George's Fine Meats is doing anything wrong. No, They've been wonderful. They're doing a great job. So Bunnings was good there for probably half hour to an hour. Like you never know what you're going to walk out with. Is the sausage sandwich back on there, or is no, no, no sausage sandwich, nut. And you and you had to wear a mask too. So wow. there you go. Yeah, it's a big casualty of COVID nineteen. The beloved sausage sandwich. We have a huge show coming up. Should Cameron Smith retire? That's a massive talking point. Where did it all go wrong for Anthony Seabold at the Broncos? Are South Sydney the Smokies for the Premiership? And can the Warriors produce a finals fairy tale? And of course, don't forget the Fend at the end. That's where Jimmy goes off the rails a little bit. And he might upset me a bit today and any Eels fans because he's got a few things to say there about uh, Paramount's game against the Storm last week. Looking forward to that, sort of. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so via Twitter, at TheFendHJ, or on email, TheFendHJ, at gmail.com. We would look forward to your feedback. Uh, you can also find us on all the major social media sites. But, Jimmy, we always like to start on a positive. And, gee, the most impressive performance on the weekend had to be from South Sydney, 56-16 to 16 over Manly. Uh, Daly Cherry Evans said he didn't see this coming. They don't usually say they do see this coming, these sort of floggings, but 38 mm. 38-0 first half, exceptional performance from the Rabbitohs. They're really in form, aren't they? Latrell Mitchell's looking dangerous. The halves, Walker and Reynolds, and Damian Cook, he had his best game of the year against Manly. He cut them to ribbons right yeah. through the middle of the ruck. Yeah, he did. He was excellent. You know, he had been a little bit quiet, just adapting to these rules early on, but he was at his best on on the, on the weekend there. And uh, Cook led by example. You know, Mitchell was Mitchell was one of his. I think probably his best game he's played at fullback so far. You know, but you know they did like it was like a knife through uh, through butter. They carved them up, and once you know, thirty eight nil at half time. <laughs> You know, it's all, it's all over. So you just enjoy yourself when you're playing. And he, he had a great uh, day. And even Wayne Bennett was smiling there <laughs> in the box. It was a great day. I think it was his record his record win as a coach. So He looked like he was at a comedy club. <laughs> or he'd just seen the Broncos position on the ladder. Either way, he was laughing his head off in the box. I've never seen him that happy. No, never. No, never. Never in, in 40 years have I seen that happy. But that first half, that, that's like a hole-in-one for a golfer. It's like a century for a cricketer. It's like getting yeah. some new gear for a Saturday night. You look in the mirror, you're pretty happy with what you see. That's how good South Sydney were. 38 nil. Bennett said it's the best half of footy he's seen from a team he's coached ever. Yeah. Well, well, when you play footy, the first thing you want to do is you want to start well. You know, everyone talks about starting well and getting into the game and completing your sets of six. Well, it was just the perfect 10 out of 10 for, for the Rabbits. What about you? Was there a game where you were just so far behind at half time, but you managed to rally, or was there yeah. some sort of speech? Yeah. Uh, what do you do when you're down by that sort of score? It, it just sometimes all just goes. It just goes bad. And I remember a particular game in in 1987. We played Cronulla at Leichhardt Oval. Lovely Saturday afternoon, three o'clock kickoff, and we played at home. And obviously, at home is a distinct advantage playing at home. 
And whatever we did didn't work. Whatever Cronulla did worked off. Et McGaw, they were in the side. Jonathan Docking, it all just you know it all claimed together, and it was twenty six points to two at half time. Look in front of the home crowd, they were booing us, they were jeering us. We'd never been booed off before. I'd never been booed off at Leichhardt, and they absolutely give it to us at half time. We said, look, doesn't matter what happens at half time. We said, okay, even if it's twenty six two at full time. They don't score again, you know. So let's have a go and see what we can do. And, and anyway, Scotty Gale was there. I think the late Scotty Gale, he, he scored a couple of tries that day, chipped over the top and regathered. And all of a sudden, you get, you get six and you get 14. Then it's 20. All of a sudden, the game starts to turn. And I think we got back to 28-26 with about five minutes to go at home. And then they scored at the death of the 32-26 um, in a, a great game at Leichhardt, though. We, we certainly earned the respect back from our, from our fans. In fact, it was that, that exciting a game. That night, my wife went into labour <laughs> and uh, she gave birth to the very next day to my eldest son, Kieran, uh, with all the excitement of the game. So, yeah, it was a good, good effect. So you went from that, from Leichhardt over the dressing sheds to hospital? I went from Leichhardt home to, to Wollongong where I lived and that night she went into labour. So then from then about, I don't know, 10 o'clock I went to Wollongong Hospital and Next day he was born. Wow. Mm, on Great the back story. of that. So, yeah. Just finishing up on Souths, are they potentially bully boys? Are they picking up, picking on the weak? They haven't beaten anyone of note no. so far this season. The only mm. top eight side they've beaten is Cronulla. So there is that question mark over South. Can they do it against the big guns? And they get no better opportunity than this Thursday night against Parramatta, who are running equal second, mm. uh, to show that they are genuine mm. contenders. Mm. I think South Sydney are... They're good front runners. They're a side that if they hit, they start well, they, they're in the, in the contest. But if they start poorly, I think they, they struggle to stay pace with the game. And they, they are a bit of a bully boy mentality, the way they do like to intimidate. So I think you could be right there, mate. We'll see what happens this weekend against Parramatta. Um, but yes, I think they could be. When the push comes to shove, they might struggle a bit. Speaking of the Eels, I remember uh, well, when, when Wayne Bennett said that's the best half of football he's coached. <laughs> It's a big statement because I remember back in 1995, uh, Bennett's Broncos came to Parramatta Stadium. The Eels, who weren't much of a team, they led 14-6 at halftime. And we're all thinking, wow, big upset coming here against the Broncos. Mm. Final score, Brisbane 60, Parramatta 14. <laughs> they scored 54 to nil in one half of football. Wow. Darren Lockyer yep. burst onto the scene of his first game, Lockyer. Never yep. looked back. Yep. So that was a pretty decent half of footy, but yeah. he's put the um, South's effort ahead of that one. I remember it well. Actually, I played against that Bros- that Parramatta side and the Broncos side in 95 when I came back from England, and they put, I think, 30 or 40 past us in the game at, at uh, Parramatta Stadium, that Broncos team. Yeah, no, good side. Well, they could have yeah. gone further that year, but um, they were a victim of the Bulldogs who made that magnificent ah. surge through the finals. Speaking of the Broncos, Anthony Seabold has reports his country's last game for the Broncos. He has led the Broncos to their worst Ever season, there's still a chance of the wooden spoon. He's presided over two of their, well, the two biggest losses in club history, 58-0 versus Parramatta, 59-0 versus the Roosters this year. In recent weeks, he's had off-field dramas to deal with. Who could have seen this coming? They moved heaven and earth to get him there at the end of 2018, including sacking legendary coach Wayne Bennett. Mm. And it's come to this. It's Where, mm. where did it all go wrong? Um, I think he's... He lost the he lost the, the dressing room. That's where it went wrong. Um, obviously, clearly the players aren't playing for him. And you often see that when that happens, a coach comes in. They're used to one style of coaching, and then uh, he was very structured, very um, you know professional in his outlook. It may have worked well at South Sydney, but it certainly didn't work up there at the Broncos. Um, they like to play that their own sort of individuality sort of footy, and uh, I think he, he 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 did move on a couple of players. 
Um, um, Maguire, I think, was moved up to Townsville. McCulloch. And McCulloch also. He also went to... Uh, Newcastle. Nickarima was another one. was moved on as well. So there's some key blokes, blokes that have been there, you know, probably 200 games, and they've he's moved them on. So I think that might have caused a bit of dissension in the in the team, and and they failed to uh, to support him after that. Yeah, and it's pretty common knowledge now that five year deal was not a smart oh. move for a first year coach. He had, had one year it. at Souths. Mm. He, he hadn't had a chance to deal with the tough times, had he? As no. a first grade coach, because no. no. Souths that year, 2018, he had a great year. They made the prelim final. He got a lot of raps, but he hadn't had to be put under the blowtorch, which is what's happened at Brisbane this year. and He just hasn't found a way out of it. Yeah, no, and that's right. He's, he struggled. You know, with South Sydney there, you had Maguire there set up, put the team together, and he sort of come on the back of that. So this team's been put together. But Wayne Bennett is a, is a really good man manager. You've got to give him credit for that, like, a bit like Alex Ferguson. And Seabolt has really struggled with his communication lines with the players and uh, – and if you haven't got the players, you know, you're doomed. And so it's been, I think what's their, they've lost their last 12 out of 13 matches. And actually, they played okay on the weekend. They did play okay. That was probably their best game all season. They were certainly in it to the last 20 minutes. But, you know, they found a way to lose, as they normally do. Yeah, 28-24, they went down to the Dragons. So they certainly uh, gave the Dragons a lot to think about. That try by Katani Staggs, what an individual effort that was. He just mm. swatted away you and Aiken. <laughs> what about that? Dufty grasping at thin air. It was a special try. Yeah. They deserved to go and win after yeah. that one. But yeah. uh, the Dragons, they're, they're not going too bad themselves. Yeah, they're not going to. Well, they've, with the young uh, Dean Young there, that was a, a good win for them in his first game. Uh, yeah, 28-24, the, the Dragons are still in the hunt for the for the top eight. Flickering hopes. Flickering hopes for the top eight. Yeah, I do agree with that. But uh, Dufty was very good. Uh, Corey Norman was fantastic. Uh, ben Hunt also played well. Uh, and Ben Hunt also gave a bit of advice to Tom Dearden being that number seven for the Broncos. You know, not to put too much pressure on yourself because that's what he did when he was there. And uh, just trying to help the young fellow out. So I thought that was pretty good by, by young Ben Hunt to take some time to speak to Tom Dearden. Yeah, very good. Now, one of the uh, rugby league's good guys, Mitchell Orbison from the Roosters, he's announced he will retire at the end of the season. He hopes to get back from a fractured wrist to play some part in the uh, Roosters Premiership campaign, looking for three in a row. 301 games for Orbison. He'd dearly love to win a fourth Premiership. And also on top of that, if he comes back, He'll go past Anthony Minicello as the Roosters' most wow. capped player. He's got 301 games. Minnie's got 302. He, he's, in many parts of his career, has been underrated, Mitchell Orbison. But I think everyone now knows what a what a huge part he is in that Roosters' lineup. Yeah. He, he's a man for all seasons. He can play anywhere from wing, centre, 5'8", second row, front row, uh, hooker. You know, So he's a great utility player. He's been a great you know, great clubman for, for the Roosters during his entire career, and I hope he does get over his, um, his broken wrist. I hope he does get back on the field to finish off his career. But look, it's very difficult to get back from a broken arm or a broken wrist to have that confidence making those tackles in the big games. So I think he really might struggle uh, to get back on the park. So we may have seen the, the last of him uh, for his career, which would be unfortunate if we did. Well, he's certainly saying that he, he hopes to be back for the final few games. So we'll wait and see the Roosters could use him because they're st- have had a lot of injuries. Uh, speaking of retirements, Cameron Smith, should he play on the legend of rugby league? Not just the Storm or Queensland or Australia. He is a rugby league icon, the most capped player with 423 games with the Storm. He'll come back from a shoulder injury to face Manly this weekend, a rare injury he's had. He's 37 years old. He's the Benjamin Button of the NRL. He just gets better with age. Personally, I think his form's been fantastic this year. He could play on if he so desires Melbourne, Melbourne wanted the answer because they have to plan for 2021. Obviously, they've got Harry Grant at the Tigers in that swap deal. Harry Grant wants to know if he's coming back to the Storm or staying with the Tigers. Jimmy, you've been there. When do you know 
It is time to hang up the boots. Well, I don't think it is time to hang up the boots for Cameron. I think he's certainly got another year in him. He's certainly playing as well as ever in uh, in 2020. So I think he will play again next year. Uh, how do you know? Oh, you probably get a phone call and someone tells you it's time to go. <laughs> That's probably how you find out. But um, he, you know, he, he they've, they've missed him dearly uh, in the last couple of weeks. He's back. I think he will play again. Just the fact that he was supposed to announce a decision three weeks ago, what he was doing, he hasn't. You know, it's been another three weeks since then. Uh, there's obviously something going on in the background there. I think, I think he may leave. Uh, he may leave the storm, and he, he may go north. That's, no. what I, that's that's what I think will happen. Yeah, yeah, I think he may go north. Yep, yep, I really do. Man, I'm a sentimental guy. I love to see players stay with the one club throughout their career. I actually didn't think Cooper Cronk would ever change clubs, but he went to the Roosters, and you saw what he did there, two competitions. So mm-hmm. maybe Cameron Smith has seen what Cooper Cronk has done yep. and thinks, well, that's not a bad way to finish. I'm a Queenslander. Well, just the Broncos could use a hand. Mm. Or maybe he doesn't want to finish with a battling team. Mm. The Titans aren't exactly setting the world on fire either. So these are things he's going to have to weigh up. Yeah, that's right. Um, we might even go up north. He might even go to Townsville. Who knows? I think he will finish somewhere in Queensland uh, next year. I think at the sneaky suspicion it might be the Broncos, but we'll see what happens. What if Harry Grant says, I'll come back to the Storm and Cameron Smith comes to the Tigers? We'll take him in a heartbeat. <laughs> that's unlikely to happen. I know he likes a bit of a challenge. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. If he wants a bit of experience for another 12 months, we'll take him on. Absolutely. But that's not going to happen. That's a good swap that's deal, a, that, yeah. That's a good story. That's a very good story. Right, let's, a good uh, rumour. Let's pump that one up. <coughs> uh, as we mentioned, uh, Episode 9 of The Fend is brought to you by George's Fine Meats. A tenderness and flavour not seen in any other Wagyu like it on the market. It's the best eating Wagyu in the world. George's Meat celebrates 30 years this year of service, consistency and quality and its commitment to its community. And as always, George's Fine Meats is offering 10% off your next purchase just by using the code word. Jimmy, the code word for this week is... The code word for this week is Panthers. That's it. Go Panthers. Ask for Wayne Panthers and you'll receive 10%, an additional 10% off your fine meat. And probably get a chat from Wayne because he loves the Panthers. Panthers man, yes. He's born and bred Panther. Speaking of 10, Panthers, they have won 10 in a row, club record. Bo Derek, 10 out of 10. So are the Panthers. They are flying at the moment. They smashed the Sharks 38 points to 12 over at Penrith Stadium. Uh, second time in this year they've smashed Cronulla. They'll be hoping uh, not to run into them later in the season. They're showing no signs of slowing down at all. And guess what, Jimmy? Some good news. They play your Tigers on Saturday night. Well, that's great news, mate. I'm really glad to hear that. Um, they've won 10 in a row. You know, obviously, Cleary, uh, Jamon Lulawai is, is playing great form. And also, James Fisher-Harris and Liam Martin are in fine form for the Panthers. They Look, they may have won 10 in a row, but I think their their run is about to end this weekend. Um, from 10 in a row, it'll be, it'll be 10 from 11 after they play the Tigers on, on, on the weekend. What, if half of them been hit by COVID or something? <laughs> How's the Tigers going to be? How the Tigers? I think the Tigers will bounce back. I'm the ever optimist, the Tigers will bounce back against the the Penny Panthers. Where are they playing at? Penrith. Oh well, that's that's not good. Well, they couldn't go any worse than they did at Leichhardt. <laughs> that's not good at I'll all. I've been giving myself a series of uppercuts this week because I tipped the Tigers to beat the Roosters. I just thought Leichhardt Oval, do or die game, and that was my great mistake because the Tigers do not aim up in do or die games. They were down twenty nil against the spare parts Roosters side. When I say spare parts, they still had quality out there, yes, yeah, but yeah. they were missing yep. some big names like Luke Keary, for starters, who's been their best player all season. Yet they were de- they led 20-0 to Roosters without doing anything special. The, Ro- the Tigers just didn't turn up. They were insipid. No, hang on. 
What do you mean insipid? What do you, they tried hard for the first 20 minutes. Do you so. think? Well, the first 20 minutes they went okay. Yeah, it was pretty close after the first oh, the 20. Oh, first 10. I'll give you the 10. No, I'd, say, I'd say probably 15. But then after that, they, they just – James Packer, he, he was he – went... Not James. They love James Packer. You mean Russell <laughs> Russell. <laughs> James Russell, Packer Russell, Russell Packer. He slots straight in. <laughs> Sorry, James. Russell Packer, he, was, he went missing. You know, there's your big bopper up front. You know, uh, so you have to be on your on your game when you're going to play against those guys. JWH, the big dog, and uh, Takeahu, who is also in fine form for the for the Roosters. Um, but, but Jimmy, it's a cultural thing there. They just when when it's on the line. I've seen the Tigers so many times in these sort of yeah. games where they have to win. Yeah, they get thumped. They don't just lose. They get thumped. Yeah. I don't yeah. think forget 2016. They needed to win that one to make the eight. Canberra beat them 56-12 or something ridiculous. There seems to be a lack of belief, even when they got back to 20 to 12. You thought, hang on, they're going to win here. Mm. Uh, Tommy Talao took an intercept, couldn't go all the way, but they mm. looked like they had all the momentum. And then just a series of simple errors just swung it back to the Roosters. Yeah. And some of the defence yeah, was pathetic. Yeah. Was pathetic. Yeah. You know, on that that uh, Joey, Joey Manu, that, jo- Joey Manu threw the two tries that he, he set up there. They, they came in to tackle him, and uh, that was just poor a poor read by Moses Zembai, who's, who's not a centre, but he's playing centre. But still, Joey Manu made him look like he was a, an F grader. Yeah. Um, Morris scored two. The other Morris scored another two. Um, they were just uh, they just killed us on the edges, and that's just just where dare I say it, probably not poor coaching. It's just that that commitment by by the Tigers players, which is missing. You know, this is the game. This is the you know playing at home, in front of your home crowd. It meant so much to all the Tigers fans. Like we only play there three times a year, and if they, and if they do play well, it's always at Leichhardt Oval. But on the weekend, it was you know, just it was just not there. Um, and that tiger spirit wasn't yeah. there. It really hurts me. Well, uh, what hurt you even more was uh, the uniform. Just talk us through that. They were at Leichhardt Oval, yeah. the West Tigers, and they wore the predominantly black strip. Yeah, yeah. Look, when, when the joint venture was formed back in 1999, I remember being at the, the, the launch and they had these two strips. They said, we're going to wear the black strip, which is the West strip. We've got the, the gold strip, which is the, the Balmain strip. Um, and those were our two strips because there were these two foundation clubs coming together and it was going to be a great future for, for the clubs. Because both clubs needed each other when they, when they in the merger happened in 99. We needed West and West needed us. Mind you, West had come off the wooden spoon in, in 1998 and 1999 um, and they'd won the wooden spoon four times in the 80s, which is not a very good record. And the, and the Tigers, well, the Tigers, we won the wooden spoon in 81. And then we went on to play 15 semi-finals in the 80s, made two grand finals, won a couple of Panasonic Cups. And Balmain were probably the most um, supported team or second team to everyone in the, in that 80s era. So Balmain had a huge following, and that followed through. For, you know, for, for seven or eight years here, the Tigers made the semi-finals, and, and those supporters stayed with us, and they followed us across when we went from Balmain Tigers to the West Tigers. All those supporter base, which West didn't have, all our supporter base came across and followed the West Tigers. And here we are, 20 years later, we play at Leichhardt Oval. We only play there three times a year, and we're playing in the West Black Outfit. That's just disrespectful to all the Balmain fans. It's, I, I feel if I'm a Balmain fan, I am a Balmain fan, or West Tigers fan, I feel dudded that they wear the black strip at Leichhardt. They should wear the gold strip at Leichhardt. And as a as a Tigers fan, I, I, just, I just feel dudded that... In the last two years, they've worn the black strip. The gold strip's gone now. Now it's now it's a, it's the, it's a white strip has replaced it. It's just it's rubbish. It's BS. Someone needs to be accountable for this because when these two sides came together at the birth of the West Tigers, we had two strips: the black and the gold. But the gold's gone, and now it's white. 
you know, it's just disrespectful to the Balmain side of, of the merger. You know, okay, fair enough. It might be 75, 25 to split, but that, that's irrelevant. Football is more than just money. Football is about people. It's about, it's about your supporters. You know, you, you, you want it to be a great day for all the Balmain stroke West supporters when they go to Leichhardt Oval to be a great day and, and follow the Tigers. Like, I'm, I'm never more prouder than to sit there and to watch the Tigers go out in their, their gold jersey with their black V and their black pants. That's my team. The black's not my team. I'm a, if I'm a Balmain supporter, the black's not my team. I, you know, it's it's that's 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 Save that for Stadium. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Well, I can see the passion uh, flowing through you there. So it'd be interesting to see what the Tigers have to say about that. You could certainly have used Josh Papali on the weekend. That the never say die attitude he had in that game against the Gold Coast when their halfback Jamal Fogarty ran away. He looked certain to score. The game was done and dusted. Yeah. Uh, Papali could easily have just given up, thinking, "Oh, we've got the game in the bag." You could see a few Raiders in the background. They thought, "Well, we're not going to catch him. Don't worry about it." But he never gave in. Ankle tapped him, yeah. really an effort, brought Fogarty down, who lost the ball. It was just a great moment. Yeah, it was one of those moments where you just think, will, he, will I, will I, can I, can I? And he chased him for 50 metres. And I thought, oh, he can't get him. He's a front row. He's 120 kilos chasing a halfback. But he never gave up. He never gave up. And at that very last stride, he's brought him down with an ankle tap. Excuse me very much. And and he's lost the ball on the tackle. That was one of the best moments. That's one of the best tackles, ankle taps I've seen probably in 30 years. I reckon it was his last breath he, it, on, on that run. It was his last <laughs> sinew of energy. He's just ankle tapped him with his little finger that's brought him down. That's yeah, probably the greatest ankle tap I've seen. It's oh, probably oh, the only since, no. since I've seen ever that done. Don't I, say it. No, I don't want to go there, but that's the best ankle tackle I've ever seen. How do you think McNeil would have been if he was watching that game? Uh, he, he would oh, don't even go there. It's just not even worth talking about did it. Did you when you were there in '89, the grand final against the Raiders? Yeah. Did you think when McNeil got that ball, did you think he was in? Yeah, of course I did. I was inside him. Yeah, yeah. Mal came in and Mal was gone. Yeah. He just he just turned and and hit him with his hand. At uh, wasn't that a set play? It was you a, were trying to catch Mal out. It was a set play, and Mal's come in to uh, to tackle me. And, well, I was off Bruce McGuire's shoulder, so he came in to get me, I suppose. But then Gary Freeman threw it across the face and hit Megsy. So Mal realised he was beaten. And he's just turned and with with his with his arm guard, he's actually clipped his ankle and brought him down. And I thought Mick, you know, he'll bounce up. But by the time he bounced up, Stevie Walters was on his back and he couldn't bounce anymore. And I think his head was on the trial line when the and the ball was in his chest. And that's the difference between winning and losing. And every time there's an angle tap, <laughs> everyone remembers. What about you, that one from You now? love it. You love it. Oh, don't you? No, I, no, I don't like yeah. that. I don't think it's no joy at all. Uh, now the Tigers have been joined on 12 points by the Warriors. Aren't they a good story? Four points outside the eight. They're a you know, very, very slim chance to make the eight, but they are playing with such passion at the moment. And they do have a, a game against the Sharks, who are eighth in round 18, which could be crucial uh, to make this fairy tale happen. I, I thought it was a fantastic performance against the Bulldogs, who, who led 10-0. They led 14-6 Canterbury, but the Warriors just didn't go away. Um, Steve Georgialis, the interim Bulldogs coach, he was filthy, and so he should be because they threw that away. Some some yeah. very ordinary last tackle options from Canterbury when that game was there to be won. There was a moment, Jimmy, in that game, Jack Murchie, who was brilliant for the Warriors, he had a mm. great game. He was also involved in a very bizarre moment where he was penalised for throwing a boot away from uh, one of the <laughs> opposition players. And yes. A lot of people were surprised he got penalised for that. Yes, I didn't know you, you, if you throw away a boot, you get you get penalised. I didn't know that was a rule. It is a rule. Yes, apparently. Oh, okay. Well, that reminds me back in gee whiz, back in 1981, I was playing for West in their midweek game, Panasonic Cup game at Leichhardt Oval. Surprisingly, don't know who we were playing, 
I think we're playing Penrith actually, and uh, I tackled someone halfway, and his boot came off. Johnny Gocha was the referee, oh Johnny Gocha, and I've turfed, turfed the boot twenty metres away, like they were never going to put it back on. And he called me up and said, um, "Go get the boot." And I said, what? I'm not going to get the boot. He said, go and get the boot and come back. I said, I don't care what you do, I'm not going to get the boot. <laughs> anyway, he didn't make me go and get the boot, but I, ne- I never threw a boot away after that. Cause that good would refereeing. Be- yeah, very good refereeing. It would have embarrassed me as a young fella and taught me a lesson, don't throw the boots away because you might go and get it. Have to go and get it. I think Murchie was penalised for not throwing it far enough. I've seen boots end up in the grandstand before. He's, he's maybe went two metres. Is that all? Oh, yeah, it's pathetic. It, it was pathetic, yeah. yeah. But... but uh, it was a very good game, and I must say that the Bulldogs, they found a way to lose. If they do win this game, they're every chance of, of getting off the bottom, and the Broncos can be actually caught with a wooden spoon. You know, so it was a critical game for them. They led 10-0. Look, and Cody Nicarima, what a game, Cody. He set up three tries. He was fantastic for, for you know, the Warriors. They've they pulled a lot of heart together in that side. You know, they haven't been home. They haven't got a home ground. They haven't been home for like you know, three, four months. Great effort and great. I think it's very good coaching by by the coach as well. Um, Todd Payton would have to be a contender for those vacant jobs. What he's doing with the Warriors at the moment, as you mentioned, they haven't been at home no. for months now. You would no. think as the season goes on, yep, you, would think that you would think they'd disintegrate, but they're yep. actually going the other way. And Todd Payton has to take a lot of credit for that. Yeah, that's he, he would do absolutely. He's done. He's done a great job. They have always been competitive every game they've played. Um, you know you're in for a tough game, and really from your footy team, you can't ask for more than that thing from your players than to give 100%, and, and they have done. They lose the Parramatta duo, Daniel Alvaro and George Jennings. They're on that loan deal. They've finished up this week, so he's going to be tested with his uh, depth again there, um, is Todd Payton. So, but they are really, really impressive, the Warriors. Now, our friends at the Seven Mile Brewing Company have kindly put up a very smart shirt and cap for the winner of our quiz from last week. And the question was, who was the best field goal kicker Gary Jack ever played with or against? We had a lot of answers to this one. I'll run through a few. Mike Eden, Phil Blake, Ross Conlon. Did Ross kick a field goal? He was a great goal kicker. Yeah, I don't think he kicked too many field goals. Right, so he's not the winner. No. Ricky Stewart, great field goal kicker. Gary Schofield. Yeah, the Pom, yep. Benny Elias. Yep, backdoor. Kicker Kirkland. Kicker Kirkland. Now, kicker was more of a toe punter than a, than a drop kicker. Where did Kicker Kirkland come from? <laughs> All right, well, Jimmy, it's over to you to, to tell us. Kirkland. Tell us who was the greatest field goal kicker that you played yeah, with or against. The greatest field goal kicker I ever played with or against uh, was the great Terry Barbar Lamb. I think he kicked something like 46 field goals in his career uh, under pressure when it mattered. Terry Lamb would just nail it all the time. You know, even if it if it didn't matter, if they were down by two points and, <laughs> and needed one point, he would still get the one point to be down by one point rather than two. In that confusing game at Belmore that day when he did that. That's but, amazing. Isn't that sad for him? He, he can really nail a field goal. But anyone who talks about him kicking field goals just goes back to that, that one game where yeah. they were down 12-10 yep. and he kicked a field goal for 12-11 against Newcastle. Picking <laughs> scores were level. Yeah. But but besides that, you know, he would practice his, his under pressure, always make a game of it. When, when I played with him at, uh, at West, it was always ultra competitive and uh, not only was he a great goal kicker, he was a great uh, clutch kicker. When it, when it mattered, you'd throw the ball to bar and you knew you were a very good chance every time of him converting it. And we have a winner via Twitter, Handler CVS21. So you are the recipient of a very smart shirt and cap from our friends at the Seven Mile Brewing Company, doing great things up there on the north coast of New South Wales. Also doing great things. Mike Acevo, 
at Bankwest Stadium. 20 tries from 22 games. He crossed in uh, Parramatta's 14-0 win over the Storm uh, on the weekend, um, yeah. which keeps Parramatta up there in the top three. What do you think of Micah? I think Micah... What do I think of Mike? I'll just talk about his try scoring exploits for the for this to start with. I did a little bit of research here. You love my research, uh, Adam. Oh, finally, uh, Semi Red Raja had scored twenty seven from twenty seven at Bankwest Stadium. Uh, Nathan Blacklock twenty six from twenty six at home. Yeah. Brett Morris thirty two from thirty two tries. Fantastic try score, Brett Morris. So I thought I'd just compare to how with guys back in the eighties. And I've got here Larry Corra scored 64 tries from 96 games. That's a 66% strike rate. Chicka Ferguson was 130 tries from 224. That's a 58% strike rate. And the great Eric Guru Growth was 78 tries from 152 appearances at 51%. So without doubt, Larry Corra was the most potent try scorer in the 80s. What did you come in at? I came at, at I came in at Leichhardt at thirty eight percent, so point three eight was my stat. So not you, know, you were setting them up. I was. Yeah, I'd rather set them up than score them. Here you I'm go, Larry. Very unselfish player. I just give it to Larry. Larry career way off he'd go. I'll give it to Big Ecker the wrecker. You know, I just back him up inside. Just uh, coming in, <laughs> just coming off the back <laughs> of your research, which is very impressive, by the way. Uh, overall, Sebo has thirty four from forty games tries. That's eighty five percent. Incredible. Uh, Semirad Rada, who he's often compared to, the other mm. Fijian fly for Parramatta, 82 in 94 games, 87%. Mm. 87. But still, Kenny Irvine. What was Kenny Irvine's? 212 from 236 games, 90% strike rate. And he played with a side there for half his career, which was North Sydney, which weren't a very strong side in that in that half of his career, probably mm. 10 years he was at North Sydney. So that's his stats could have been even better. Well, Okay. Uh, the fan at the end time, this is where Jimmy gets something off his chest and he may have just alluded to it there, talking about Micah Sivo. Well, Micah Sivo, look, he's not the only culprit. I'm talking about the crusher tackle here, what I've seen on the weekend. Uh, obviously, the league's cracked down on it now and they're saying anyone that uh, does a, a crusher tackle, it's a one-week one suspension and there's 200 points. Um, I, have, I have no doubt that it's a tactic from, from Parramatta. Um, the way that they because I watched the footy on there on on the weekend, and there was it was one set of six there where every time Parramatta hit the ball up, the guy turned his back into the tackle. Not not once once in a set, every tackle the guy would take it up and turn into the tackle. So he put himself in that situation because if I'm a defender, and the first there's three things I want to do: I want to stop you, I want to stop your momentum, I want to stop you from off, offloading the ball, and I want to put you on the ground. Those are the three things I want to do. So by the fact that the guy turns his back, of course, and and most people, they drop their, their, their height drops about to a foot when they when they turn to prepare for collision. You, your arms are going to wrap around. You're going to have pressure on the neck, and your neck's going to be riding in, in my chest. And, of course, you know, it's going to look like a crusher. But, so you're you know, saying it's a tactic? It's a tactic, absolutely. To it's get a, a tactic. penalty. To, to get, get a out penalty. of trouble. Forget about quick play of the balls. They, and it worked. They got a penalty. They got a penalty each time they did. And the, mm. the biggest culprits there was Sevo, uh, Nathan Nathan Brown. Uh, he's also there, and well, he didn't play. But Aaron Woods is also a culprit as well for yeah. backing into the defence because the wrestle has been taken out of the game, so you can't get penalties from a wrestle for for a crusher. So you you set yourself up by turning in a tackle, and referees are, of course, going to penalise. Yeah, well, don't mention that to Brad Arthur, because he's adamant his team do not lie down for penalties, and certainly it hasn't just been Parramatta. Other Clubs have been doing it. There's been a real spate of penalties for any sort of pressure on the neck. Yeah. I, look, I think referees aren't silly. They're going to wake up to this tactic from clubs. And I think you'll find from this weekend 
they will have a, a greater look at the impact of the tackling. But don't forget, crusher tackles used to require the downward motion from the tackler mm. where, where they flop down the back of the neck. That's yep. not happening. In the in wrestle. In- no. Yeah, that's no. not happening in these instances. No, they're backing into it. Yeah. And, of course, the guy's neck's going to go against his chest, and that's where the penalties come in. Cooper Johns and Albert Vitae, they were both cleared of crusher tackles on the weekend too. So, you know, the referee has to make a call, and I really hope they make a smart call and don't let teams pull the wool over their eyes to, to milk it for a penalty because they've been getting sucked in for the last few weeks. Even if someone is is caught in a crusher tackle and that and they do get a penalty, they go off for five minutes to get it checked out by the doctor to make sure they're okay. Now, if that rule was brought in, I think players would think twice about you know, milking it for a penalty because they'd be off with it for a medical check before they come back on. That might sort them out, but you know something needs to be done. I don't. There's no easy fix here. That's full time for episode nine. Episode 9, double figures next week. That's incredible. Fantastic. The, the downloads are really going off the market. They're flowing in. That's very good to see. Uh, and they'll be back next week because that was one of your best shows, Jimmy. Well done. Uh, enjoy oh, the Panthers uh, decimating the Tigers this week. <laughs> it's going to be tough. It is going to be tough. But if Keep any, the faith. Keep the faith. If any, look, if they wear the Tiger strip, they'll win. If they wear the orange and the black rather than the black, the Tigers will win. I can I'll guarantee you they will win. All right. Hopefully Tigers admin. They're listening, listening to me right now. Okay, thank you. We'll see you again next week. Now, if you have any feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Twitter at TheFendHJ or on email, TheFendHJ at gmail.com. If you agree with what Jimmy said or you disagreed, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and most importantly, enjoy the footy. Thanks, guys. See you next week.